codes verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 316 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast, your weekly report on all things Star Trek. Recorded live on Thursday, May the 4th, 2017, and available for download or streaming on Monday, May 8th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Kenna. And I'm Tony. Well, Elijah is off this week, but thankfully, our audio engineer, Winters, is in the recording booth to keep us in line. Say hello, Winters. Hello, Winters. So, Tony, what's coming up this week? This week, we're checking out the latest casting news for Star Trek Discovery, and CBS president and CEO Les Moonves sticks his foot in it with the fans again. In Star Trek Online and other gaming news, we're recapping the latest featured episode to hit Star Trek Online on PC, and there's a big Borg event going on right now in Star Trek Timelines for mobile devices. Later, Jake and Cookie are tempting us with more tricky treats in the promenade. And of course, as always, before we wrap the show, we'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Captains, you know we love to keep the conversation going between episodes, so please reach out to us. We are on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash priority one podcast. We're on Twitter at PriorityOnePod, and you can even send us an email via incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Thanks again to all our Patreon supporters that make the show possible from week to week. Because of your support, the servers stay on, the power keeps flowing, and the team keeps producing. Please help us improve the show by considering a financial contribution via our Patreon page at Patreon.com forward slash PriorityOne. And just before we start the show, a little reminder that we're always looking for members of the Priority One listener community to join the team and help contribute to our little corner of the galaxy. We're currently looking for audio editors, writers for our blog. If you think you might be interested, shoot us an email to incoming at priorityonepodcast.com. Now let's check out the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse. I don't know. Then let's check it out. Another casting announcement hit last week for Star Trek Discovery, adding four new names to the cast list and one little change. For starters, Shazad Latif, best known for his role as Dr. Henry Jekyll on Penny Dreadful, will now play Lieutenant Tyler instead of Klingon Commander Cole. The actor now playing the Klingon Commander is Kenneth Mitchell. Another interesting addition is the casting of Rekha Sharma as Commander Landry. You might remember her as one of the final five Cylons, Tori Foster, in the reimagined Battlestar Galactica series. Additionally, Claire McConnell has been cast as Dennis, a leader in the Klingon Empire, and Damon Runyon will play Ujili, another leader from the Empire. Um, I just wanted to point out that Commander Landry, who's uh, the the new casting Rekha or Rekha Sharma, is the Discovery security officer. So I've got like shades of Tashiar coming back. Um, hopefully they won't kill her off at the end of season one. Uh, they follow her Battlestar Galactica character. They will. Uh, she'll be the murderer. Because uh, her... Oh, so that's who it is. Yeah, she's... I, I actually wasn't sure which... Because, you know, there was two final five female Cylons. Yeah, she was Tori. She was the she was the assistant to the president. And she... It, right, yeah. She, yeah, she murdered uh, Chief Tyrrell's wife. And that was a... Yeah. That was a rather pivotal moment in the very final episode when that all, when that came out. When that sort of became... Yeah, well, so... when Chief Tyrrell became aware of it, obviously yes. we knew yeah, about uh, it. Yeah, the audience knew it. The audience knew it. But, you know, Chief yeah. Tyrrell... Found, yeah, that was... Yeah, so... Yeah, so there's uh, you know another another familiar face in, to the to sci-fi fans, and that's that's good. Mm-hmm. But I want to talk about the other casting the other. change. What which, the change? Yeah, I mean, yeah, he was that Shazad Latif guy. I recall was one of the earliest casting mm-hmm. announcements yeah, that was, was made. Yeah. I mean, one of the very yeah. first crop. And yeah, it was in with 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 Doug Jones and um, yeah Anthony Rapp. Yeah, when they were when they were announced, I think he was in there or just after that. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean to bring him at you know to start, and he's crossing he's crossing lines. I mean maybe the makeup didn't work out. I don't know, but it, it is it's quite a it's quite a shift to go from a Klingon commander to a Starfleet officer. Like the description is a Starfleet officer in the Federation. Yeah. Which is 
kind of bland. So I don't know what happened there. Um, and it, it, it you know, and to go and to go from somebody who might have I don't know a pretty meaty role, Klingon commander, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you know, big time to Lieutenant Tyler. Now I don't want to, you know, cast dispersions, but the name Lieutenant Tyler really does sound like a guy that's going to get shot. I mean, if he's not wearing a red jersey in the first episode, I'm going to be pretty surprised. <laughs> it's, he's setting yeah. himself up for a, for a phaser blast to the chest or some sort of fried egg alien to the face. Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> really what I, what, I, what I sense going on here. You're so, not wrong. Yeah. So I, I've got bad vibes on this one. Well, the thing is, I don't... I mean, I don't know how common it is for an actor to switch roles like that in, in, in pre-production. But, you know, to be fair, we had this inkling that the that the writing wasn't completely pinned down yet. And we were, they're kind of holding off because of the possible writer's strike. And uh, it may just be that they were holding off and then now it's just better for him to switch into another role. I'm trying not to read into it too much. Because I just won't, don't want another thing that I'm scared of. <laughs> oh just, yeah, that's I the next article. Yeah, oh, yeah no, yeah, that'll be the next story. Sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm trying not to read into it too too much. Um, but it sounds as though they've recast that the the role that he was in. So uh, you know, at least we're not talking about major story changes by completely eliminating a character. Well, while we're on the topic of discovery, CBS CEO Les Moonves couldn't help but talk about the family jewels again. When asked, why push CBS All Access and not jump onto a platform like Hulu or Netflix? He said, quote, We felt it was odd taking our content, which is the family jewels, and putting it in an organization with our competitors. So we decided to go our own way, and it was a different way to go. We have Star Trek Discovery coming in the beginning of the fall. It's going extremely well, end quote. Now, it's worth noting that a few weeks ago, CBS wasn't tying themselves down with a release date while rumors of an imminent writer's strike loomed. However, The Hollywood Reporter published an article a few days ago that the strike had been averted. So it seems that Moonves is more confident now with that quote-unquote fall release date. But Moonves always has a way to deliver a backhanded comment about the loyalty of Star Trek fans. To them, CBS All Access is designed for something he refers to as premium content. When talking about Star Trek on Netflix, Moonves said, quote, We also learned from Netflix. We put the other Star Trek series on Netflix and they did very well. They don't share the information, but we knew Star Trek did extremely well. They have a very loyal audience. We said if we give them a good product, that they will come and they will pay for it. It will be special. And that is how we look at CBS All Access, end quote. Right. If we give them a good product, they will come and they will pay for it. Now, we can't say for certain whether that's 100% the driving force, the major business reason, behind the decision to take Discovery exclusively to CBS All Access. But it certainly doesn't seem like this is the kind of thing that you say on the record to the fans who you want to pay for your service. Now, sadly, he's not wrong, and most of us will end up subscribing so that we can watch it. But this is what we call in the retail industry a barrier to entry. It's one more thing that a person on the fence might use to decide not to watch. And I personally think it's a bad business decision to put up barriers to entry on what should be a flagship franchise. At least if there's anything to take away from all the news this week, it's that production is moving along. And that fall release date looks more promising. But that would be cold comfort to fans who are bound to feel, by now, even more taken advantage of. Well, they're all following the company line, because that's what his CBS All Access president said a week or two ago. Mm-hmm. It surprises me that you would literally come out to your, to your audience, the people that you expect to stump up the money to pay for your service, and say, we're, we're just going to take advantage of you, because we know you'll pay for it, so... Yeah, it's it's it is a little brazen, but on the other hand, it if if they hold up their end of the bargain, I yep. don't feel too bad about it. I, I mean, I I bought rather than subscribing to the right cable package, I just straight up bought the season of the Expanse on Google, mm-hmm. and so yep. as a first run program, it was twenty three dollars, which would equate to about four months of subscribing to CBSL Access with the commercials. Now I get the Expanse commercial free; it just straight downloads. 
So mm -hmm. there's a little bit of inequality there. And Star Trek's going to come in dribs and drabs. It's not going to come where I can binge watch it, you know, in my in my convenience. You know, it's not it's going to mm -hmm. come on, on on their schedule. So there's some differences in quality and differences in, 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 in convenience, and, and but the price is about right. So if they hold up their end of the bargain, eh, it could work. But the, the, the question that I have is if we shouldn't worry about their end of the bargain, right? You know, the, the idea is mm -hmm. he says it's going great. Early fall release, everything's swell, writer strike. You know, he didn't say the writer strike had anything to do with it, but eh, it seems reasonable. Yeah. If, if there was ever a question of them holding up their end of the bargain, I, I I would feel have felt better if they had been consistent from the beginning about when it was coming and what's been going on, mm -hmm. and all those things raise questions about that whether it, it's going to be good. And the other thing that bothered yeah. me too is that they uh, there's a little bit of you know camaraderie, some 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 bonhomme, you know bonhomme you know, bonhomme what's bonhomie bonhomie is that uh, the the French way you say it? Uh, I uh, European have no idea. Exit? Anyway, the French fancy <laughs> French word for friendship. Okay, right. That's the word. I'm, that's the word I'm looking for. Um, up on stage between the the uh, chief of Netflix and Moonfez, and the sort of reading between the lines is that if Netflix hadn't stumped up to buy the international rights, mm -hmm. we might not be getting Star Trek. It seems like they brought in a bucket of money and said, "We'll yeah. take this thing worldwide, and you guys can play in the United States and Canada. Just let us." You know, use this as, as something as first run content for for national distribution. Here's a pot of cash. Um, well, that, that goes back to what we were saying last week about their expectations for how many yeah. people are going to subscribe. Because, I mean, I can't do the, that kind of math in my head. But you know, if they're if they're expecting it at the very very best to top out at two million two million subscribers, I think so. It was a four. I think it might have been four. Four, but then not ever, not all of the. That's four by twenty twenty. Oh right, um, okay, yeah, yeah. okay. Not all of them are going to watch Star Trek, um, and you're not going to get straight up to to four uh, this year. Um, that, I mean, I don't. I mean, I don't know. I don't have an awful lot of clue about how much it takes to produce uh, a, a series like Star Trek, but it doesn't actually sound like they're expecting that much domestic revenue from it. <laughs> basically counting on us Star Trek fans. And it goes back to what I was saying about a barrier to entry. Yeah. So we already have a number of barriers to entry. So we already have uh, questions about the casting, questions about the production team uh, coming and going, uh, mm -hmm. Brian Fuller. We have um, the latest news is that one of the originally cast people has been changed in what role they're in. We've had the, the, the release date been pushed back and, and back, and then who knows when. Um, fall. The, the, if, <laughs> the beginning of the fall, apparently. The beginning of the um, fall, yeah. These are all things that make a consumer, with their pocketbook out, hesitate. And that's not, that's not what you want to do. You want to make it so that people buy into it straight away before they even have a chance to think. And... It's just drah, bad decision making. It's just bad. So I can, it just it frustrates me. See, this is this is my kinda, retail brain coming out. Kind of bad. You don't barriers you bad. Don't, listen, you don't you don't put a toy on a shelf and then put a whole bunch of signs in front of it why you shouldn't buy that toy. You don't do that. Well, you make federal you law make requires everything. some of those signs. <laughs> okay. Careful, small parts, oh, right, a choking hazard, and not under three years no, old, no, no, blah, 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 blah. You know, so ideally, you required. want everything about it. You want the product itself is great, but then you want the packaging, you want the price, you want all of those things, the placement on the shelf to be to draw you in to, so that you will spend your money. You don't put up a sign that goes, um, you could buy this, but actually, we're going to charge you twice as much as we're going to charge you the guy in Europe. <laughs> um, also, um, it might not be that good <laughs> because, the, you know, the front of it is totally painted, we swear. But the back, we're not sure. It's, it's yeah, it's... It... If, they, if it comes together, the story behind how it comes together will be fascinating. Well, but we'll, we'll never know until it comes. And, and as far as I know, they're still going to air the pilot for free mm -hmm. on CBS. So... Yeah. We'll be able to see, uh, more or less right away, uh, what what uh, what it's kind of saying if they've just got the front painted or if it's all if the back end's going to just fall off the thing. But to, and 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 to that point, awesome segue here. If you decide you want to watch the rest of it, mm -hmm. here's a little side note. If you're thinking about subscribing to CBS All Access, please consider doing it by going to our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com and clicking on the CBS All Access banner there. Then at least you give them your money. 
we're going to get a little bit of that too. Uh, and we promise we'll keep ranting about Discovery the whole time. You'll get in-depth analysis of, of, of everything that they do right and wrong uh, yes. uh, uh, here on the show. So make it watch the free pilot. Watch the free mm-hmm. pilot. And then if you decide, okay, I'm, I'm on board for this, you know, I'll take the rest of the ride. Partyonepodcast.com, hit the banner, and uh, we'll... We'll continue to deconstruct everything that uh, that we watch together. And finally today, a Star Trek fan in Manitoba, Canada, has had his license plate revoked after complaints that it was offensive to Indigenous people. The plate, which read Assimilate, was held in a frame that also read We Are the Borg and Resistance is Futile. Now, the owner of the offending license plate, Nick Troller, said that people were largely amused by it and sometimes wanted their pictures taken with it. But Manitoba Public Insurance Policy states that, quote, plates cannot contain a slogan that could be considered offensive, end quote. I personally am in favor of the revocation. While I don't find assimilate offensive myself, I'm inclined to respect other people who do. But it does kind of spark a conversation about where that policy should end. Does the license plate frame need to go too? Or is the context of we are the Borg enough to offset the resistance is futile in that case? Well, the lawyer in me will point out that Canada does not have nearly the level of free speech protections that the United States enjoys. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how it compares to the EU, Mr. 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 Winters, Irish resident, but in America this probably would not happen. Uh, you, the, the license plate would be perfectly fine and you could drive around mm-hmm. with that all day. I, I think the deeper meaning though, if you want to get down to philosophical discussions, yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, I think the whole point of the Borg storyline was that unthinking obedience to the collective and fighting assimilation mm-hmm. and retaining individuality is sort of the whole idea. So any sort of reminder of that concept, I th- would think that people who were particularly, I don't know, victimized by mm-hmm. that might want that sentiment to be out there, maybe on the back of somebody's dodge, you know? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think, mm. sadly, I feel drastically underqualified to kind of take on this conversation and um, in fact I would uh, point any listeners who are um, who are listening and 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 want to find out more about like the best description is an ally Um, and I was thinking of um, one of our sister podcasts women at warp has got actually a very good uh, episode You'll have to search for it because I don't remember which episode it is that's talking about uh, male allies in Star Trek. And one of the sections of it is talking about how to be a good ally to people who are underrepresented. Um, In that case, they were talking about uh, women versus men. But in this case, um, you're talking about um, generally basically they had received complaints from indigenous people that the license plate was offensive so it's in this case it's talking about actually listening to the people who found it offensive and making a change now that opens a whole massive discussion that I don't think we're prepared to get into here um, but it is an interesting thing to contemplate especially when you talk about you know we take you know uh, cosplaying as the Borg very um, lightly but um, there Not the people that in- put those costumes together. Holy God, <laughs> no, have you seen those They take it very seriously, yeah. yes. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it does make you kind of think, actually, people, especially indigenous people in the Americas, um, does that have an effect on them that's slightly different than those of us who are just the everyday run-of-the-mill Star Trek fans? It's an interesting question. Now let's find out what's happened this week in Star Trek Online. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. Well, captains with a lowercase c, welcome once again to STO News, where we're covering the latest goings-on in Star Trek Online. As we promised last week, we've saved the discussions uh, on Season 13's new content for this week. Uh, Let's start with the featured episode, Mirrors and Smoke. The episode begins with the discovery of an M-class planet concealed within the Gonkra Nebula, on approaching the planet, we discover the inhabitants are the long-lost Kentari, the race from whom the Lucari split after a civil war generations ago. Our reception is not particularly warm, and after fighting off some patrols, we are invited to meet the Prime Minister down on the surface. 
On the surface of the planet, things are literally not sunshine and roses. We beam down to a dingy, polluted city where the denizens struggle to breathe unless they pay for cheap breathing apparatuses. Apparatus I? Dispensed from vending machines. We are confused when we have to fight our way through a couple of skirmishes in the streets. The Kantari claimed to want to speak with us diplomatically, but their actions and blatant racism against the Lucari say otherwise. When we finally make it to the Nakatomi Plaza and meet the Prime Minister, she tells us about the traditionalists, a Kantari faction opposed to outsiders and deeply distrustful of the Lucari. She is a reformist, however, and wants Lucari and Kantari to work together to avert their rapidly approaching environmental disaster. As we talk to the Prime Minister, the Zenkethi approach the planet with weapons primed. Despite our attempts to intervene, they use the protomatter device on the planet's moon, which just so happens to be the source of all of the Kantari's food. After the Zenkethi are defeated, we then have to fight off traditionalist forces in order to use Administrator Kumarke's device to restore the moon. Once we do, the moon is once again capable of food production, but sadly, we couldn't bring back all the people who used to farm it. The traditionalist forces are silenced for now, and we enter into a partnership with the Kantari. So can we talk about the fact that it's a horrifically polluted planet that everybody has to live in except for the really rich people who live on the top? But, like, their moon? Totally fine. Well, you know, priorities. Yeah, that seems odd to me. So basically, if you're a farmer, you're good. Like, farming is, like, the best job you could possibly have on uh, on this planet, which I'm not sure what it's called. New Kentar, I believe, or something like that. And they've got loads of new opportunities for farmers. Yeah, all these people who are, you know, <laughs> suffering down there on the planet. There's a lot <laughs> of job openings it. now. There you go. They just gotta just, you know, beam them up to the moon now. This little plot hole discussion actually just sort of like just takes it takes it right home because my initial impression uh, analysis of this is this is the Star Trek insurrection uh, of of Star Trek Online uh, uh, episodes. It wasn't bad. It wasn't awful. It was, it was like, it was just, okay, you know, we're getting the team back together and kind of, you know, I actually thought it, it. I thought, here's a good word for it. I thought it was ambitious. And really? That would that was the last adjective I would use to describe it. But please go ahead. Well, I will explain why. You know the the um, the reactions that I've seen have been mixed. Let's say, I this was this was a politically driven episode of Star Trek Online, and I know in the past when they've attempted to make political statements within a game, a video game, um, that's been met not with the greatest reception. I actually think they did a good job. Now, I say it all the time that Star Trek Online is the next great Star Trek series. One of the keystones of Star Trek on television was that it was not afraid to take little glimpses into a hot political topic and address them as part of the plot. And I think they did that here. They definitely... I mean, I think there was some some bits that were unfinished, but, you know, you're within the framework of a video game. But it was a very clear commentary on the division of 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 wealth, uh, the division of resources between the wealthy and the poor. I mean, the just the imagery of breathing devices out of a vending machine, I thought was very. I mean that was t- like that was totally Again, in your face. Vis- yes, number one. I mean let's 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 let's. Well, I, we, I want to keep going with this discussion because you're you're I mean, you're tracking with some with some things I thought too, and and we'll we'll jump in and let winners have, have his two cents too. But visually, I totally got the Blade Runner thing. I mean, I know that's where, and they hit they nailed it. That city is like striking. That city really definitely works. very well done. Yeah, I mean that that I mean and like you know, like, you're, like I was saying, they're clearly trying to do a haves and have-nots thing, and they really illustrated that have-nots thing really well. I mean, it was still clean enough to be usable as a video game interface, but it was still dirty enough to go, I don't want my character's boots running through that, because that, that's going to leave a stain. <laughs> yeah. That's gonna, that's yeah. not going to come out. You're going to have and, to re-replicate the whole thing. getting injured by the little drips that come down. Yeah, from, yeah. You're you know, that, was, yeah that was a nice little environmental touch. Yeah, that kind nice, of, t- nice touches there. So, I mean... They're going for that message, and, and I think they hit it. And technically, I think they, they got it. But if you look at Insurrection 2, it had a message. And this this goes very nicely into our license tag discussion earlier. It's about as strong as an apology to the Native Americans as you're ever likely to hear in a major motion picture. 
when Picard waxes uh, philosophical about the, how many people does it take before you can't justify it anymore, right? Is it 100, 600, 1,000? I mean, it, it, you know, it's, a, it's about as clear as you're going to get in a major motion picture. And there were still lots of plot holes in Insurrection. And people kind of pointed those out when it came out. And there's kind of, like like saying here, they want to make this statement about the haves and have-nots, but there's the whole freaking globe hanging in their sky where the birds are singing and the plants are flowering and people can go. I mean, clearly they got they got the whole environmental thing figured out up there. Yeah. I mean, I do, I, I think that the one criticism that I've seen that is completely valid and that I agree with is the fact that that illustration of the haves versus the have-nots is is heavy-handed in this episode. I don't think it... I, I still think it's worthwhile to make because, you know, it's it's not a minor thing for a video game to try and emulate a a series like Star Trek where they are tackling social issues on a regular basis and to try and have a hand at that. I think they kind of missed the balance a little bit. You know, there was a, I think there was a lot more of this type of storytelling in the Iconian War, and we haven't really had that since then. And this kind of went, this went heavy-handed, where the Iconian War was a little bit more subtle. But I, you know, honestly, props, props to the designers for 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 going for it. I have to say, hence, hence your use of the word ambitious. Hence my yes. Hence my use of the word ambitious. All right. Um, all right I think I'll, they didn't I'll, quite. I'll I didn't. I. I don't think they quite hit the mark. That that balance that would that that makes it thought provoking and engaging, as opposed to just like like really smack you around the head with it, which is kind of like it couldn't have been more blatant. But still, again, props to them for for tackling a political issue in a video game. Yeah. To some extent, you. you it's. Uh, you do have to work within the, con- the confines of your art, and uh, you know you've got thirty minutes maybe for you know, the average video gamer. That's that's if they read the little boxes and they aren't just like flipping through it, going f f f f f. So you know, I mean, it's uh, it, you don't exactly have time to delve into subtleties. Like, I mean, let's be honest here, show of hands. Who saw the big defense minister guy turn and traitor on everybody? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> oh, I know. It's like, like he walks in and starts talking like, hey, I'm going to kill you later, right? We got an appointment. We're going to dance, aren't we? Yeah. You, and yeah. me, you and me, bro. We're <laughs> dancing upstairs. Yeah. I got my starship on. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that was kind of, yeah, his 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 betrayal was. Yes. Guess your sudden but inevitable betrayal. <laughs> Mine is an evil laugh. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Well, that, that leads me into a question, actually. So the traditionalists, like, we quote-unquote defeated them. But they're totally coming back, aren't they? They're, I, I, just, I just feel like we're, we're hanging out with the Kentar now, right? In the, in the Gonkro Nebula. And, yeah, we're hanging out with the Kentari. The traditionalists are so coming back. They're going to they're gonna team up with the Zenkethi, and it's going to be this thing. And it's, yeah, they, they've really, really set that up. Well, uh... I think the way we need to wrap this up is to remind everybody that Elijah's not here, because if he was here, he would sing, Lucare, whoa, 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 Kentare, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, okay, so I think that, that if he was here, that would happen. But since he's not here, it's not gonna. So we'll just have to move on. The other big piece of content that came out with Season 13 is, of course, War Games. We've been talking about it for a couple of weeks. Now, I actually haven't had a chance to get really into it yet, but... I happen to know a guy who has. So, uh, Winters, can you kind of talk us through what the reception has been like, uh, particularly in the fleet with the new war games? To be honest, uh, from the different people I've been talking to, I've been talking to a lot uh, within the Priority One Armada, and it's very mixed. There are some players who genuinely think that it's, it's very good, and there's others that think that... It, they just don't like it. Simple as that. The new content that's uh, come out with it. So it's very mixed at the moment. The new ground queue, I really like that. I, I really like that one. I think it's absolutely fantastic uh, for getting marks. It's probably the best way to actually get marks. I would recommend everyone to do that. And as I mentioned, uh, I can't remember, was it last week or the week before? Do the ground queue on Elite because you are going against the other team and you're not really coming up against NPCs, so therefore you can have a good chance of getting like either 75 marks or 150 marks. 
Wow. And there's no, you said in last week or the week before, there's no fail condition on the elites either. Yeah, you see, because you're going against the other team. Now, depending on how far you progress within the queue will determine how many marks you get. Like, for example, I poked uh, one group on the ground queue and uh, let's say I was on the blue team and the red team advanced all the way to the end, but we couldn't get past the first stage and we got one mark. One mark is all we got, which is fine. We didn't progress far enough. But if you both teams progress to the very end, then whoever comes in second place will get 75 marks, and whoever comes in first place will get 150. That's not including the daily bonus that uh, you can get on top of that as well. So it's I've, I've built up a massive stockpile of marks already. I mean, I have more than enough marks now to finish out the reputation. Um, and it's... You know, it, it's only out, what, a week? So is that a problem? I don't think it's a problem. Is that... Well, I know you don't think it's a problem, but hearkening back to our discussion... Tell us why you time, think it's a problem. Well, I mean, cause we had the discussion about MTQs. You know, and if, and if a guy like you, who's pretty good at this game and, you know, has his equipment specced out pretty well and understands the, the mission, all of a sudden, you don't need to be there anymore. Uh, so unless you really, really like the mission... You're going to be off doing other things, and people who don't know how to do the mission and are trying to figure out how to get marks are going to be left. <laughs> I think that's a very good question, actually, because by the time I get around to doing to doing the war games, am I going to be left unable to 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 even get into a pug because I've left it too long? Yeah, you were gone for this discussion we had last week, but that's essentially yeah, that was that was the concern. That was basically the concern. Yeah, um, I think that the same thing will eventually happen um, to. Two of these queues, at the very least, I think the more hardcore players will probably continue to play the ground queue because it rewards so good. Beyond just marks, the, the, the dilithium also is... Yeah, yeah the, you get your 1,440 dilithium per run of this. Like, for example, uh, you know, the more elite players uh, would normally play transdimensional tactics, for example, on elite, which is one of the new Kara PvE queues. And they would obviously do Borg Infected Conduit Advanced. And they would do Defend Rehahu Station, or whatever the hell the name is. Um, I think this is going to be another one of those that is going to be added to the list, because it's very, very good. But the other two queues, I think, will probably die off in about two to three months. Just like all the others. And is it is that a straight result of because it's just because it's like the other cues what you get out of it the reason that you'd play it is for the marks once everybody has the marks they're not going to go back to it well that that's what we were talking about last week uh, every reputation has this problem it's it's just uh, an inherent problem to the way the whole thing is designed once you have got your reputations to tier 5 and got your gear out of it, assuming you want any gear out of it, there is no incentive... Mostly Taylor unlocks for me, but yes. Yeah, but there is no incentive <laughs> Let's to be go honest. back. Yeah, yeah. Well, now, the, the question is, you know, because I actually... Well, when I was parsing a lot, so when I was checking what my damage per second was, I was, you know, racking up uh, Omega marks left and right, and I was a- exchanging them for dilithium. Is that is that not a a, a viable reason to do those cues, or is that just an inefficient way to to do that? Before season thirteen, there was something like I think ninety three cues. If you take every queue and the normal advanced elite versions that there are, all right, there is far too many. There's a couple that people will play consistently because they've figured out this is the best way to get whatever marks or dilithium, and the rest just die off. And like I said last week, I think that they should, and I don't know why everything has to be teamed. Come up with some single-player stuff. Why don't they just take those the auto-match off and leave it on private? I mean... Take 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 auto take the public queue part off of sixty of those that go on the back page where it's private. And if you want to play those, go hammer people in zone chat, uh, looking for four for this random queue that nobody ever wants anymore. You know, but but just reduce the number of choices that the casual player walks in and goes, okay, I can do Romulan ground or Tholian space or you know just has fewer choices to go through. And then 
more people will be filling those public queues because they'll go where the, the other players are. They'll see three people in the queue and go, oh, okay, I'll be fourth in that one. The, the problem is, and I don't want to get too far down that road because greater minds than us, I'm sure, are thinking about it. In fact, I'm fairly certain the last time we had Al Rivera on, we had exactly this discussion about what to do with these cues. And I, I'm not sure we're going to... Eventually, somebody will do something about it, and I'm not sure we're going to solve it. My experience has been if we complain about it long enough, Al will eventually fix it. That's that's been my experience with this podcast. If we complain about it long enough, eventually Al just goes, "God, will you shut up?" and he fixes it. Well, I I definitely think that the answer to this problem is single player queues. All right, I appreciate like the idea that you had Tony, but for a new player coming into the game who doesn't know you have to go to zone chat or whatever, you know, to get a or certain type of Or doesn't know how to find... And, and honestly, I don't recommend any go, anybody goes into zone chat. <laughs> yeah. I, honestly, oh, come on. It's a unique <laughs> and special experience, Kenneth. It come is. On. Yes, it is. I've been there a few times and I don't wish to go back. But maybe you don't have a fleet or, you know, maybe you don't know who to ask or where to go. Um, you're right, Winters. And for people like me, I like to play by myself. It's just it's it's the way I prefer to play, really. So, I would love to have a queue. I mean, I that's why most of my PVE queues I I play pugs because I don't want to go through the whole finding people to team up with. But it's just me, and I could really benefit from, like you said, a single player queue. That would be a great project for the new guy. For the, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the next yeah. T- yeah, you know what you know what the next time they hire okay, Al, Steve, listen up. Next time you hire a new guy. If you want to, if you want to uh, break in a new designer, make him play all the old queues and make a list of the ones that would be easy to turn into a single player queue and hard. And by hard, I mean you got to have one person stand here, and one person stand there, and one person stand there, and you just have to redo the goals and stuff like. If it's just turning down the mobs, I think we got a winner here. Just make some single player queues. Well, like uh, another thing, I think was it you, Tony, that brought it up last week, or maybe it was Elijah. I can't remember. But I it knew- was a good idea. It was mine. <laughs> and you. A new player coming into Star Trek Online has 11 reputations to go through now. And like Kenna... No, that was Elijah. That was complaining. That was Elijah. Right. That is very daunting. Now, personally, I, I like the cues. I, you know, I like getting new reputations. But you know, a new player might come in that will be like Kenna, doesn't want to team up with other people or for whatever reason. All right. Has been to zone chat once and is never going back. <laughs> never yeah. wants to go back. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. give an option. Just have some single player queues for all the different types of marks. And I think that would greatly make the whole situation a hell of a lot better. This is actually a really good opportunity for a community question. Uh, what do you guys, the listeners, think about our PVE queues? And if you have any good ideas for what you would like to see to kind of revamp, refresh that system, please let us know what they are. In an effort to lend a hand to new players, or even surprise the most veteran captains in Star Trek Online, here's my weekly top tip. Over the last couple of weeks, I have been focusing on bridge officers and the traits that come with them that can greatly increase your space combat potential. The first group of bridge officers that I talked about were the Tactical Romulan Fleet Embassy Bridge Officers and the Superior Romulan Operative Trait. The recommendation that I made was that every Tactical Bridge Officer seat that is available on your ship should have one of these Tactical Romulan Embassy Bridge Officers. I also noted that if your character is a Romulan, then you can get these bridge officers off the exchange or from the Romulan bridge officer DOF recruitment mission available at the new Romulus command center. The second bridge officer that I talked about was the hierarchy science slash intelligence bridge officer or more commonly known as Mr. Potato Head and the pirate trait as well as the efficient trait. I recommended this bridge officer as a sound choice for any science seat that is on your ship. The next bridge officer that I want to talk about are Nausicaan bridge officers. If you play on the KDF faction, Nausicaans are very easy to get either through bridge officer recruitment DOF missions or from the exchange. Unfortunately, they are not normally available on the Federation faction. However, there is a way that you can get one Nausicaan on the Federation faction. This is available after you reach rank 4 diplomacy through the duty officer system. 
after achieving rank 4 diplomacy, travel to ESD, or Earth Space Dock, and go to Admiral Quinn's office. You are looking for Ambassador Sugihara, who has a bridge officer store available. Within the list of available bridge officers are Gorn, Nausicans, and Orions. My recommendation is to go for a Nausicaan Engineer Bridge Officer, since we have already covered tactical bridge officers with the Romulans and Mr. Potato Head for Science. All Nausicaans come with the Pirate Trait, which gives a plus 1.5% bonus to all damage. It should be noted that this bonus does stack, so if you are a KDF aligned character you may want to have some Nausicaan Bridge Officers on your bridge crew in tactical engineering and science seats. The pirate trait also gives a plus 150 points to Starship Stealth. It should be noted that this does not stack, however. For more information, we will leave a link in the show notes at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO316. And finally, in other gaming news, a brand new mega event has just landed in Star Trek Timelines. The popular mobile game has released Process of Assimilation, available to all players from May 4th to May 31st. It's a four-week-long event with four phases. Zero Hour runs May 4th through the 8th, Experimental Design starts May 11th, Contagion on May 18th, and Resistance on May 25th. During the event, new characters will be available to earn, including assimilated versions of Janeway, LaForge, Tuvok, and the Borg Queen herself. There's also a Borg Sphere to earn. So if you're a Timelines player, be sure to log in regularly starting now. Once again, the Process of Assimilation event runs now through the end of May. Well, that's it for this week's Star Trek Online news. Now let's check out some fantastic Trek merchandise with Jake and Cookie on the promenade. Hey, welcome back. I'm Cookie Cupcakes. And I'm Jake Cobb. And this is the promenade. Hey, Jake, what you doing? Seems that I was busy doing something close to nothing but different than the day before. Ah, here we go. That's when I saw her. Ooh, I saw her. She walked in through the outdoor. Outdoor. I wonder if Jace has room for a co-host on Treklet 101. Hey, is that a raspberry beret? Um, yeah. (laughs) The kind you find at a second-hand store? No, I just replicated it in the replicator. Are you singing Prince songs? <laughs> Let's go crazy! I'm begging you to stop. I never meant to cause you sorrow. I never meant to cause you pain. Sometimes I just... Purple rain. Please, let's get to it. Let's talk about Hallmark for a second. It's fairly common knowledge among miniature Star Trek ship collectors that Hallmark makes some of the best small versions of our favorite Federation, Klingon, and Romulan ships, among others. The quality is high, the detail is precise, and most have a lights and sound feature, though some of them require they be plugged in to function. Long story short-ish, they're a great sought-after product. But what you may not know is that Hallmark also makes another collectible. This one's modeled after the classic Beanie Baby line from the 1990s. They're called Itty Bitties, and they're pretty prolific. Aww. <laughs> yep. Star Trek joined the Itty Bitties for its 50th anniversary, joining other popular properties including, but not limited to, The X-Files, Transformers, DC Comics, My Little Pony, Hello Kitty, and most of the Disney properties. That includes the princesses, Marvel superheroes, and something involving space conflict. So now I'm sure you're asking, what is an Itty Bitty? Well, either you're asking that, or why can't we have Dr. Hurt every week? To the latter I say this, Dr. Hurt is a very important man, and I am not, and I come cheap. To the former, itty bitties are 3 inch width by 4 inch height by 2.25 inch depth stuffed animals. They are comprised of a large soft fabric sack stuffed from feet to neck, tiny little arms on either side, and an oversized head. Their faces are super simplified but easily recognizable. In short, they're adorable. <laughs> they are, they are really cute. <laughs> I, cute. I didn't know about these. Yeah, they're pretty cute. In regards to Hallmark Star Trek's itty bitty offerings, May I present the itty-bitty Star Trek 50th Anniversary Collector Set with Captain Kirk, Spock, Dr. McCoy, and Lieutenant Uhura stuffed animals. These cute little buggers come in an open-winded collector's box with a cartoonish representation of the Constitution Enterprise Bridge as a backdrop. The box is simple but nice, offering full view of each stuffed character. This makes it easier for the mint-in-box collector to display their cuties in all their stuffed gloriness. 
The box set, including all four itty bitties, is $29.95 US dollars. If you're a TNG fan, there is also something coming for you. Soon. In August of this year, Hallmark.com will offer an exclusive Geordie LaForge and Data Itty Bitty. Excited? Well, wait till you hear this. Hallmark will also offer an in-store exclusive Picard and Wharf Itty Bitty, featuring a plush Galaxy Class Enterprise D. <laughs> they fit in there like little cup holders. It looks yes. like there's little cup holders in top of the ship, and you stick the little Itty Bitties inside. Yeah. That is adorable. I don't know what actual size that is, but... The perfect size for cute. <laughs> <laughs> the only available images are press shots, but it does look like Picard and Wharf itty bitty slide into the two holes on the top, and they're located on the top of the saucer section on either side. No price is listed for the Picard or Wharf set, but Data and Geordi are currently listed on Hallmark.com for $7.95 US dollars, and listed as available August 19th, 2017. Wharf looks a little too happy. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. But... And Data looks kind of creepy too, doesn't it? Did you see his eyes? That looks like a robot right there. Yeah, what data, It looks like a creepy robot staring at you, except it's a stuffed animal. Yeah. And, and the fact that he's cute's a little scary. It's like yeah. he's horror flick, you know? Where's his manly charm? <laughs> I don't see any. It looks like a big doughboy. <laughs> a robot doughboy. Itty bitties. How cute. Itty bitties. Teeny weeny itty bitties. She wore an itsy-bitsy, teeny-weeny, yellow polka dot bikini. Hey, Jake, do you know what a trekkini is? Nope. Okay, picture this. A cheerleader. Like it. Switch out the top with a sports bra. Mm-hmm. Then turn it all swimsuit material. Mm-hmm. Then make it all Star Trek-themed. A trekkini. These two-piece swimsuits come in blue with a science insignia. Gold with command and red with engineering. So as you might already be able to tell from that, these are inspired by the original series. Perfect. I think these are super cute. I would totally wear this. I love the look of swim skirts, and these are no exception. They remind me of the Mirror Universe outfits that the girls wore, with a little bit of a retro look at the same time. Just adorable. And ladies, it has removable bus cups. The top and bottom are sold separately, available in sizes small through 4X. Although, word of warning, some of the sizes may not be correct again. (laughs) So investigate that carefully before you order. Each separate piece is selling for about 30 bucks each, so the whole thing would cost you 60 bucks. But you can mix and match sizes, which is really helpful for different body types. I guess you could mix and match the colors too if you really wanted to, but when I looked at it, a lot of them were already sold out. But the blue seems to be the most popular. But I'm going to give you some advice when it comes to Think Geek, which is where you can buy this. Wait a little while, it will most likely go on sale. Good tip. That's what I'm planning on doing at least. Plus they're out of the blue in my size, so I have to wait anyways. And I really don't need any more swimsuits. I mean, I have so many already, but this one, I gotta, I gotta get it. It's so cute. It is cute. If anything, I could just get some pom-poms. And look like a cheerleader. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Um, Is it normal that they sell them tops and bottoms? I don't buy too many women's swimsuits. Well, the the idea of this is that if you have a unique body type or if you just don't fit into the standard mold, you can get whatever size top, whatever size bottom. That makes sense. That's really actually pretty, pretty good. That's a good feature. I'm glad they did it that way. In comparison to other bathing suits, how's the price? Well, you can't really compare it because it's got the Star Trek logo on it. That's true. That's true. You can get cheaper bathing suits, sure, but they won't have Star Trek on them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's not bad. The other one was the same price. The full suit. Oh, yeah. The TNG one piece was 62 And then they went on sale. And these are cooler because TOS. Yes. TOS. It's very, it's retro looking, so it's perfect that it's TOS. Yes. It wouldn't look quite right if it was TNG. Yeah, I like these. These are nice. So, there you have it. Songs are fun. Links to the items discussed can be found in the show notes, so please be sure to check them out. Have any comments about this segment or anything discussed herein? We'd love to hear them. So let us know what you think on Twitter, Facebook, or in the comments section. And remember, you keep an eye on the stars. We'll keep an eye on the market. Until next time. 
Now, let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Thank you, Jake and Cookie, for another fantastic promenade segment. Well, Captains, this is the part of the show where we open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Episode 315's first community question was, tell us about your PC rig, and if you've got an awesome setup, take a picture and share it with us via Twitter at PriorityOnePod. From Twitter, at Taylor's Captain tweeted us and said, She's starting to show her age. AMD 1600T Black 3.3, Radeon R7 370, 16GB Corsair DDR3. She's now 6 and I'm hoping for a few more years. Can I just say, because if you click through to the picture that he's tweeted... That is an awesome setup. So I'm, I'm, I'm. Let's see. We've got quite a few games on the right, which is cool. We've also got oh, who's the platypus guy from Phineas, Fer- Phineas and Ferb? Perry. Got, Perry the platypus. Thank you, Perry the platypus. He's got Perry the platypus there. He's got a number of other awesome toys and things. It's ideal. It's perfect. It's just perfect gamer setup. And one of those really cool light up keyboards, which I really want. Uh, I don't know if it's the ones that you can get, because uh, I know that there are ones that you can get that are, like, programmable, and Stowe, Star Trek Online, actually has ones that, like, when you go into a red alert... Oh, yeah, it'll turn red. It turns red? Yeah. I won't my PC, them. My PC does that. I've got an Alienware, and uh, depending on what stance I'm in, or even what faction I play, uh, it, it changes color cor- accordingly. See, this is cool because this is something that is baked into Star Trek Online, which it's like a feature that you wouldn't normally know, come you across you or w- hear. Yeah, about. you wouldn't know normally know about, but that's just a nice, just a nice little touch that just makes it that makes it nice. And from Facebook, Roy Burdett says, "My rig is an MSI laptop with an Intel Core i5 7200U 2.70 gigahertz processor with eight gigs of RAM." NVIDIA GeForce 940MX. That's right. I didn't build my computer. I bought it. But for the games I play and record, it does great for me. I think that's 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 what's really key, isn't it? I mean, I I built mine, but it's, it's getting a little old. Probably needs a refresh. Before that, I played on a rather old laptop. Star Trek Online runs on a surprisingly old machine, and you can actually get in there and have that whole social experience without a super amazing, crazy yeah. rig, so... That was that's by design. I mean, they've always wanted it to be that way. I've just it was always boggled my mind though is that whenever you I used to play on a lower end laptop as well, and boy, the frame rates went through the roof when you disabled the UI. That always that always just bugged the hell out of me because I'm like these are two dimensional pictures. How is it that when I turn the two dimensional pictures off, the 3D turns out amazing? It just always bugged me. I don't know. I don't know. Episode 315's second community question was, Now that you've had a chance to play some of the content of Season 13, what are your thoughts? Do you enjoy the new war games? And what did you think of that featured episode? And did you notice that space combat was affected by the balance changes? From Priority One Podcast, Jonathan Talry writes, Great show, guys. Season 13 is going great so far. The featured episode story-wise was okay, I love the look of the poor lower areas of the planet. Kind of strange to see vending machines. So are they canon now? I've only played the Space War game so far. I like it. It was interesting. Somewhat confusing at first, but I was able to figure it out quickly. I love how fast the mission was. Something I could finish in a few minutes. The space balance has not affected me as far as I can tell. It might have benefited my ship battles, if anything. But I'm a casual player, so I'm not too surprised. I wanted to comment on this. In fact, we didn't actually go into it very much. And maybe we need to do that next week or the week after about the balance changes. Because I would have thought, listen, I, I, I fly embassy consoles. I fly a plasmonic leech. And I, I like ripped through the featured episode like they weren't even there. <laughs> so I, I can't tell. I can't tell if that's because of the balance changes that have come through or whether that was just the, the, the featured episode was a little bit too easy, maybe. But it's, it, it's, I'd be interested to, to, to go into more depth on, on, well, on how we've been affected yeah, by the balance changes. Jeremy, Jeremy talked about that a little bit in the interview. And they designed the featured episodes so that they're not too tough. You know, they, want to, they, you know, they want it so that a stock ship can kind of can make it through without needing you know, Mark 14 purples to, to do it. But I think that 
we also talked when we first started talking about the balance changes weeks and weeks ago. The people in the middle weren't supposed to see great changes, and and I, I know Kenny, you you you've done some parsing, uh, and it's been ages since I parsed anything at all. And I think that you and I might be like the sandwich ends of the middle. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm a, I'm a, you know, from back from beta, but I only get there in there sometimes. But I've got Mark 14 golds and purples on my main ship, so I'm like, I'm, I'm doing okay damage. It's not men maxed or spec or anything, but I'm fine. You've actually put some effort into trying to get some high DPS stuff. <laughs> Winters put some effort into getting you, me Winters, some high DPS stuff. You, you, were yes. a, you, you, you allowed Guru Winters, uh, Guru yes. Winters, to, uh, to, to give you. To to reward you with a with a blue belt in uh, in Star Trek Online DPS uh, so 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 but but and I, I'm I'm like I'm like maybe yellow belt maybe I I bribed the guy to give me the yellow belt okay that's what I that's where I'm at and so but those people weren't going to notice any changes it's the black belts it's the people that have really that uh, gone through and and spec everything out to rely on the plasmonic leeches and the embassy consoles. Those are the ones that saw the difference. From Star Trek Online Forums, Tyler Maxwell says, Well, I jotted down my thoughts on mirrors and smoke last week. Basically a heavy-handed moral tale about how polluting things is bad and that we should work together to solve problems instead of just hurling bullets and photon torpedoes at all the foreigners. Well, duh. Good moral tales require finesse, not bludgeoning viewers over and over with the obvious. There's much better storytelling elsewhere in Trek and STO. And I just want to read this next one from James Sillette on Facebook as well. It's along a similar vein. The latest featured episode has a great ground map at the beginning that is underused. The overall episode is poorly written, politically inflammatory for its one-sidedness of the characters. What makes good Trek is seeing both sides. We don't get that here. This episode is a giant step backwards in terms of the quality of the game for many reasons. And I think... These two comments are actually indicative of a lot of what's going on in like the forums and stuff. I, I, I think it's a little unfair. I agree that it was heavy-handed, obviously. But I, I, I think it's still a good step, and I think it's still a good story for Star Trek and also Star Trek Online. Let's remember, the worst Star Trek is better than a lot of other stuff. You know, it's, it's still Star Trek. So it's... it. Yeah, we, we, we dissected it. I think we, we've made it pretty clear. Listen, the, Harry Kim did not come back from the dead in this episode, so... And Spock's brain oh. didn't pop out and live in a jar. <laughs> yeah, so we're, we're good. And God didn't need a starship. <laughs> okay, so let's, let's ease off. Let's, I mean, let, this is... There was one episode, it was in season six or season seven of, of TNG, and it was the one where Riker was was dating the people that didn't have boys and girls, didn't have male or females, the androgynous ones. That was one, right? I, I took a break from Star Trek for a couple weeks after that one because I just went, you know, come on. It's like, yeah, we get it. Be nice to people, all right? You know, let's not, let's not, let's not impose our moral judgments on aliens from other worlds. We, I, Star Trek can be very heavy-handed, and, it, and occasionally it does err on the side of, Bashing it over, bashing you with it over the head. It's one of the. It's one of the. You know, like I said, it was ambitious. It's one of the risks you run when you're trying to inject a little morality plot, morality tale into it. You're not always going to get it right. Learn from it. Pick yourself up. Dust yourself off. Move on. Well, that wraps up episode 316 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. For more great podcasts, go to Roddenberry.com. But before we go, here's a reminder of what our community question is for the week. What do you think about the new PVEQs? Do you have any great ideas about how to revamp or refresh the old ones? Captains, you know we love hearing from you, so leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com. On our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast. Or tweet us via Ask Priority One Pod. Don't miss a thing from the world of Star Trek. Catch our episodes every Monday by pointing your favorite podcast app to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com. You can even join in on the fun while we record our episodes live on Thursday nights at around 11 p.m. Eastern. Keep an eye on our social media channels for details. And if that wasn't enough, you can join us in Star Trek Online in the Priority One Armada. If you're interested, just head over to PriorityOneArmada.com and sign up today. This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our patrons through Patreon.com. Find out more and add your support at Patreon.com forward slash Priority One. 
Even if you can't make a financial contribution, please help spread the word about the show and invite your fellow Trekkies. It's your support that keeps us going. Don't forget to tune into Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency podcast at GuardFrequency.com, covering the world of space sims, including Star Citizen, Elite Dangerous, Descent Underground, and many more. If you like this show, then listening to Guard Frequency is the logical choice. Thanks to our audio team, led by Michael McDonald, with assistance from Brandon Parker and Jake Morgan, and support from Midnight Shadow 7 of Hollow Sweet Media. And speaking of Jake Morgan, a big thanks to him for spearheading all of our social media endeavors and skits, and for just generally being awesome. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. Thanks to associate producer Navy Boats Lou. And most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, and our listeners, because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Shields up. Ready weapons. Engage. This is Tony, intro, sync one. This is Kenna, intro, sync two. This is Winters, intro, sync three. And I know Elijah will have a fit, so everybody just make sure that they've got little blue squiggly lines on their audacity uh, mine, before I say. Mine's green, is that okay? Green is fine, okay. as long as they're squiggly. They are squiggly. Squiggly is what we're looking for. All right, I, if, as I long only, as we're having squigglies. I only get squiggly bits when I talk, though, otherwise it's one straight line. Is that Okay. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah, I've got straight bits too, so... I have it on good authority that that's okay. So as long as we are all doing that... Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 316 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast, your weekly report on all things Star Trek. Recorded live on Thursday, May the 4th Be With You 2017, and available for download or streaming on Monday, May 8th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Kenna. And I'm Tony. Well, Elijah is off this week, but thankfully, our audio engineer, Winters, is in the recording booth to keep us in line. Say hello, Winters. Hello, Winters. <laughs> is that what it was That's supposed to excellent. do? That was perfect. That was perfect. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's going to say anything about May the 4th be with you. Later, Jake and Cookie are tempting us with more tricky treats in the promenade. And of course, as always, before we wrap the show, we'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Point of Captain, order. Is, go on. Shouldn't that be Trek Nuggets? Recognized. The chair recognizes Mr. McDonald. No, tre- uh, <laughs> no Trek it... tre- tre- Nuggets are only for Trek It Out, I think. No, no, no. There's been Trek Nuggets in STO News. I think there should be Trek Nuggets and never mind. Uh, the chair is issuing a ruling. There shall be no more references to Trek Nuggets while <laughs> I run this. <laughs> <laughs> You're, you can take the dipping sauce and you can go right out the door. So, uh, yeah. They've gone with Elijah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. They're gone with Elijah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot. Hashtag Trek Nuggets is, is you know, not Stop my Stop trying to make hashtag Trek Nuggets happen, Elijah. Yeah. It's not going to work. It's not working. Because I, I, I know he's listening. He says that, he's he, listening to every word. He says I do a terrible impression of him. And I'm Jake Cobb. And this... I'm going to do that again. <laughs> oh, I'm a talk show host from the 70s. <laughs> Are you singing Prince songs? <laughs> I'm such a little <laughs> on this show. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, you can't have any silliness. Eh. Let's talk about Hallmark Wait, first. Okay. Can you hear my cat eating? <laughs> no. Because it's eating, it's chomping down. No, I can't. Okay, good. Itty bitties. I messed up. Let me try again. <laughs> okay. Too much ad libbing. <laughs> I don't even know where you would stop that conversation to move on to this, but okay. Have fun with that.
Uh, I have nothing. I have absolutely nothing. I don't. Yeah, I totally have cats. They both had their dinner while I was recording, and you will hear it when you edit. You will hear that because it is loud. Both of them, one after the other, constantly was eating the whole time. But I like it when they meow. Oh, you do. I do. Let me grab one and poke it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm very nice to my cats. Very nice. I even move them out of the room when it's time to vacuum. <laughs> From Priority One Podcast, Sean Newboy writes, I like the space one. Hate falling through the floor puzzle for the ground one. The new episode is nice, but I did not really want to empty rewards week. What? Hang on, no, hang on. Hang on, no, no. But I did not really want the empty rewards oh, week. Oh, the... That still doesn't Do you make know what sense. That means? No, I don't. Is there is there a week where they're not giving a new set or something, a new ground, no, a new piece? There's three uh, three weeks of the thing, yeah. and um, maybe we need to um, cut that one. Or that's something Sean, that I don't know about. Sean, we know you're listening. Yeah. Tell us what you mean. This usually <laughs> your comments are just so complete. Great show, everybody. XYZ. Usually there is absolutely zero ambiguity with a Sean Newboy comment. This has yeah, got to be confusing. some kind of like record or something. Yeah. Well, we have to read the rest of his stuff because otherwise he won't hear this message. And you won't hear me telling Sh- Sean won't hear me telling him, Sean, help us help you. Help, uh, help us to help you. We'll put it in bloopers. They'll get it. Because you know Sean Newboy listens to the end. Probably right. Yeah. <laughs> little, little Easter egg just for you, Sean Newboy.